This show is brought to you by my friends at Alliance and Trust. In wild times like these, you need more than financial product salespeople. You need a firm that looks at the entirety of your life and helps you with strategies that coordinate all disciplines of good stewardship so you can manage wisely what God has given you and thrive in these times of chaos and confusion. Have a team that acts as consultants in the business of you. Call 805-372-0821 to schedule your no-obligation discovery meeting. Welcome to the Bryce Eddy Show, and uh, we are working very hard to be a threat to the Great Reset, and as things are being wild in this world, we need awesome guys that can diagnose the signs of the times, and today my guest is Pastor James Cadiz, who has a little special place in my heart because I met him kind of early on during the pandemic lockdowns and all that stuff, because he was one of the very few pastors here in California that stood up and uh, were in defiance of the lockdown orders and all that. And so he was one of the early adopters of bravery. And so uh, this guy right away, I I just have really enjoyed. And I got an experience to, uh, I, I got to take Charlie Kirk to his church when Charlie spoke there the first time. And, uh, and, and got to uh, listen to him, listen to his passion. And this guy is a scholar and a half when it comes to biblical theology. And I am pleased to have him on the show, Pastor James Cadiz. Well, that's a crazy setup, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, man, man. it's a blessing. You're a superstar. You're on uh, 700 Christian radio stations right now. Get, you know, I mean, people, people follow you. You're big time. And, um, and, and part of it is, is the passion that you bring. So I love it. Yeah, man, it's the grace of God. Uh, you know, and it's funny how God does those things, right? He's, he's faithful and, uh, it's been fun, man. These last several years have probably been some of the most enjoyable, undoubtedly the most enjoyable years of ministry. It's been great. Yeah, I've, I've told a lot of people that, um, you know, I mean, it is interesting times and I like to live in interesting times. But, you know, we we really were blessed in so many ways because this has been so clarifying and yeah. it's been so amazing um, and, and we've gotten to meet so many neat folks and, you know, going around the country, you know, spreading the word of all that's going on and, uh, you know, you know, fighting this battle. And so um, I, I really have uh, have loved it. And again, you were one of those guys that I, I met early on. Well, when uh, Charlie and I left and I was his uh, I was his uh, driver and uh, one of the two EP guys that was on his detail that day. And, and which, had, by uh, the way, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I do have to yeah. make this statement. Both my sister and I looked at you and said, we've seen a lot of really sharp, high speed guys taking care of people like Charlie and, and people like him. But we're like, you might very well be the best dressed <laughs> I mean, it, 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 we were we were blown away. We were like, hey, is he like one of the is he one of like the, uh, you know, the execs that, you know, came along with Charlie? Honestly, I just have to tell you that, bro. It was in, it, uh, was, well. it was a great first impression. We, we 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 were blessed having you around. I just had to say that. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, there's uh, there's many much better guys than I uh, in in that world, but not many are better dressed. So I'll take that compliment. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> yeah. Hey. So, um, but but as we were leaving, so you know, I'm a I'm a preacher's kid, 
And, um, you know, as we were leaving, Charlie asked me like, hey, you know, uh, I'm talking to all these people and they have many different views on the end times and end times theology. And I, you know, Charlie, and I know you've gotten to witness his journey. He was a, you know, very new believer at the time and had, you know, really made this commitment and he was pressing in and he was reading everything he had to read. I mean, Charlie is one of the uh, most amazing students I've ever witnessed. Um, You know, what he will digest, what he will read, what he will press into is, is really impressive. And he's got just a brilliant mind on him. And so he was getting my thoughts on it. And I've said this on the show before, but I'll say it uh, to you. Um, I got a little allergic to some of those discussions because I witnessed at the time, you know, a lot of, you know, my dad and his friends, you know, arguing endlessly about things. And, you know, in some respects, and, uh, you know, some of these guys, their lives were falling apart as they were, you know, debating in times philosophy and things like that. And so I had the position as a kid and as a young teenager, like, hey, you know, go get the rest of your life together. Um, yeah. You know, when when God comes, you will, you know, recognize it. Right. But let's, let's work on everything else. Um, but all that being said, I have grown so much more interested in it now because of the times that we're in and because of, you know, so many things that are happening in, in this world now. And so I'm, I'm enjoying having these conversations of trying to puzzle out what's happening, what's going on at the same time. And then this is my last part and I'll let you go is, I share Rob's concern that so many people can say, okay, this is it. You know, it's all over. You know, Jesus Christ is coming. It's right around the corner. And then not be contending for the faith, not be uh, fighting for our families, not be pushing back against the, the evil cultural tides and all of that stuff. And so... You know, I, I, I'm in that space where I want to make sure we're doing what God wants us to be doing, but we're paying attention to what's happening. Yeah. And look, bro, uh, the reason why you feel that way is not founded in some weird, carnal, faulty circle of thinking. And I know that there's a lot of people that contend for uh, Bible prophecy, and they should. There's very important stuff in the Bible that talk about the very day that we're living in. But the the unfortunate problem about that is Bible prophecy has been used in many ways traditionally outside of what God's intent for it to be used for. Um, People will look at Bible prophecy and say, well, pretty much it's all going to hell anyway, so just let it burn. Um, And that's not why God intended for us to study Bible prophecy. There are several reasons why God intended for us to study Bible prophecy and perhaps The most profound and significant ones given to us in the scriptures are founded in principles that should not only keep us from growing apathetic concerning the time that we're in, but it should inspire us to be more aggressive in the fight that God has actually called us to. Um, If I would give a few main reasons why Bible prophecy is so important is, number one, Bible prophecy confirms to us that God's word is true. Um, Paul writes to the church in Hebrews, he said, look, let me define faith for you. Faith means this. Faith is a a substance, right, to the things that we hope for, and it's direct evidence of things that we can't see. Now, when we talk about substance of things hoped for, that means that God's word is accurate. It's never been wrong. It's perfect. It does not fail. And when we see God's word coming true, particularly in the area of Bible prophecy, then you can trust in the fact, right, that we 
uh, know that God's word is true and that what he asks us to do is very important, right? So that's, that's number one. If God has never gotten it wrong ever, then that means when he tells us to go out and make disciples, when he tells us to stand up and contend for the things that are righteous, then maybe we should do it. And perhaps maybe if people have a hard time with me saying that, there's not a single Bible prophet that I know of in the Bible, not one, maybe with the exception of Enoch, but that is probably because we don't know much about what Enoch did because of how limited information we have. The only real discussion we have about Enoch is a verse in Hebrews, partially in the book of Jude, and of course in Genesis. But outside of that, there is not a single Bible prophet in existence in the Bible that did not contend with uh, world leaders that did not have direct confrontation with the government officials that they were in front of. So that's the first thing it should do. The second thing it should do is it could, it should cause us to walk in purity. And unfortunately, a lot of people that focus on Bible prophecy use it as their excuse to forsake their call to be pastors in the church. They become very itinerant preachers. And oftentimes, because of that, they absolve themselves from accountability and there's a lot of lies that are being told. There's no fact checking, uh, whether it be self-inflicted or whether it be by the people that are around them because they become rock stars and not necessarily accountable. And Bible prophecy was intended to do the exact opposites. Like you said, you were watching these guys arguing over different eschatological points of view, and yet they were not taking care of themselves. And it would blow your mind how many Bible prophecies prophecy guys I've talked to, you know, they're pastors their whole lives. They've been married five times and they're going and picking up on some girl or you got, you know, the other guy who's just got a massive drinking problem. And, and, you know, all of that, you just think, wait, hold on. The intent for God, for us to study this stuff was to cause us to walk in purity. And then the thing that I think you can relate to the most, and this is the most significant aspect that guys like you should really relate to. And that is, it teaches us to be solid, valuable watchmen, right? That, mm. that we we are the type of people, because the Bible tells us this, the Bible says, watch and be sober, right? And you know this, if you're, if you're out on an EP detail, you're no good doing any kind of executive perfect, uh, pr protection if you're drunk, because you could be looking at the same thing that 50 people around you are looking at, but when you have sobriety, that is affected, then your ability to interpret the information that you're looking at is going to be severely compromised. Thus, the person that you're supposed to protect, your primary is in danger. And when there is uh, sobriety present, then the things that you see, you're able to interpret effectively. It's like the old adage where you talk about a, a you know an MP who's at the at the guard shack who's completely drunk and just watches people right you know walk past the shack. Well, he's seeing what he needs to be seeing, but he's not acting on it because his sobriety um, radically affects his ability to process the information that he's looking at. And the greatest destruction to a man's sobriety right now is not heroin, it's not dope, it's not alcohol, it is sin. And so yeah. when people are walking in that kind of lifestyle, their sobriety becomes affected and then their ability to be able to be effective watchmen is diminished substantially. So um, th these are the reasons why Bible prophecy are so important. And if you are applying it correctly in your life, you will be an aggressive contender for your nation, for your government. You will be the people that is standing at the, um, at the school board meetings and speaking up against the child exploitation that's happening by these grooming teachers and all the other things that are happening. You, you can't help but to be because you know the picture 
And I think that's very important. And, you know, you look at a person like John the Baptist, Jesus called him the greatest prophet that ever lived on the face of the earth. Yet John the Baptist was beheaded because he came uh, against the moral failure of an actual government leader. So if you really think about it, Jesus himself contended with politicians of the day. Um, There's just no way around it. Yeah, he did. And if you say, you know, I said to a friend, Jesus was political and, um, and you know, a Christian friend, and it aggravated them so much. Um, yeah. But the truth is that, you know, politics is just how we organize ourselves. And yeah. Jesus was pushing against those that organized uh, society in those days. In fact, he was pushing back very, very hard against them and, and setting, okay, there is this other standard. Um, uh, but I think because we look at things through the American political lens, um, you know, we, we have a hard time understanding that or seeing that. And so we want churches to stay out of how we organize ourselves, which is, I think, the, the real, um, you know, abomination there. You must start taking care of your liver now more than ever. Why? Because the latest data from the American Heart Association indicates that adults with fatty liver were three and a half times more likely to have heart failure than those without. The American Liver Foundation says that 100 million Americans have fatty liver, which means many people are at risk. We throw everything at our livers, cholesterol, alcohol, toxins, Tylenol, statins, cigarettes. That's why so many of us have a sluggish, fatty liver that makes us gain weight and lose energy. For decades now, your liver helped you with over 500 key functions every day. It's time to help your liver. There is a solution. Liver Health Formula, an all-natural supplement which contains 12 clinically proven botanicals that help recharge and protect your liver. It's manufactured right here in the USA and approved by American doctors. So, if you're looking to ignite your fat-burning metabolism boost your energy, and transform how you look and feel, try Liver Health Formula and receive five free gifts when you order today. First, you'll receive a free bottle of nano-powered omega-3 to keep your heart healthy. You're also getting four free eBooks to support every aspect of your health. Try Liver Health Formula by going to getliverhelp.com forward slash Bryce and claim your five free bonus gifts. That's getliverhelp.com forward slash Bryce. Which is, in essence, a recent construct of the sociological variables that developed in the Jesus People movement. That was the start of Calvary Chapel. And when when we started um, as an organization as a whole, I will tell you, God did some pretty amazing things through Calvary Chapel. But I'm telling you, as a third-generation Calvary Chapel pastor, some terribly ugly things came out of, out of that. Yeah. And perhaps one of the most ugly things is the heart of where it all started in California— there was a mindset that was communicated that said, stay away from politics, get out of your lane. And within 40 years, we went from being the most conservative state in the union or one of the most conservative states in the union to perhaps one of the most demonically inspired governments ever in uh, the United States of America. So the reality of it is I do not fault evil men like Gavin Newsom. I don't uh, fault some of the evil, evil government leaders. I directly fault the cowardly pastors who continue to abandon their responsibility and speak the truth, especially as we see the day approaching. Matter of fact, the book of Hebrews told, told us 
do not forsake the gathering together of one another, especially as you see the day approaching. What day were they talking about? The imminent return of Christ. And the reality of it is, as you know that that return is imminent, that should be your motivating variable to work harder than you've ever worked before to fight and contend for what you know is righteous. Why? Because when God comes back for his church, he does not want to find his church with their pants down, literally uh, not doing the work that God has called them to do. Yeah, amen. All right, so with that being said, give me, um, you know, talk to me like I'm a five-year-old, but give me the basic schools of thought when it comes to basic uh, end times positions. Okay, so there are a lot, right? Let me go over the ones that I consider to be pretty unbiblical um, and where I can defeat some pretty easy, I could easily defeat some of the arguments because those are the ones that are easy to get past and we'll, we'll deal with that. There is a, a view that I think is pretty abhorrent that says that God will not come back for his church. Now, we know that that's a direct, you know, complete uh, denial of what the Bible says. There are two terms that people conflate a lot, okay, uh, or, or sort of uh, mix up. I want to use more simple terms. I'm sorry. Um, the first term is the rapture of the church versus the second coming of Jesus, okay? Those are two completely different events. The rapture of the church is a moment in time that's described to us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Uh, it is oftentimes expounded upon in many areas in the Bible, especially through certain typologies and so on and so forth. And this is the time where Christ will come to physically take his church away before what is called the 70th week of Daniel. This is found in Daniel chapter 9 takes place, which we all know or call Jacob's trouble or the great tribulation or the tribulation. Um, and, and I am oversimplifying this because it's, it's just very, very important. Now, no, no. More... And, I, and, and I want you, and I want you to, um, not, yeah. you know, not, uh, just for my benefit, but you know, we, we have a lot of people who are listening who, um, you know, are, are new believers or, you know, we have, we have members of our audience who aren't believers. And, and so, um, there's so much, and, and by the way, I will get in trouble for even go, you know, going down the path and having you describe all these stuff because people will be, why didn't he push back on that one? Why didn't he, you know, and, but I, I, I love having the conversation and, and kind of laying out the landscape of, of, um, you know, where people are coming from from. Yeah. And I, and I think that it's an important discussion to have. Let me tell you where I stand. I believe that the tribulation is a period in time, a period of time where God will be directly dealing with Israel. Okay. Um, it is not a time that God is going to be including the church in. Now, um, it is very interesting because Jews that are alive and well right now who give their lives to Christ will be included in what God calls the church. But you need to understand, and and we need to be very careful about making this distinction, regardless of what view is taken on, you cannot deny the Bible when the Bible says that Jews are God's ancestrally chosen people. He ordained them before the foundations of the earth. He chose them and he made a promise through Abraham that he would always be with them. Early on in the book of Genesis chapter 12, God made a very clear declaration. He says, if you curse Israel, God will curse you. And if you bless Israel, God will bless you. God has not forsaken his people. 
his ancestrally chosen people, the Jews. And this is a very important thing. And so when the tribulation happens, there's going to be a twofold thing that happens. Number one, God will be judging the world for their rebellion against him. And they're going to continue to rebel. They're not going to really care, right? But the Jews themselves are going to be dealt with directly by God in a way where God is going to allow his promise to them to completely manifest and he is going to gather them back to himself. And they are going to become people whose hearts and minds and walks are restored by the Lord to the Messiah that they missed early on. Now, there are a lot of people, right, who are Jews, amazing people, by the way, who have a different view of the scriptures than me. And I, I think eventually what will end up happening is their views will likely change. This is how I read the New Testament, and I don't think it's really up uh, for a lot of subjection, if you know what I mean. Um, I look at men uh, that uh, that have contributed the way that they have contributed to us over the years, and I thank God for them. I, I want to say this for the record because I think it's really important. It doesn't matter where you come from. If you are a Gentile and you are outside of uh, the Jewish world, we have an obligation given to us by God to support and to love and to be thankful to the Lord for the Jewish people. Now, for those of you that think, James, you're getting a little extreme, understand, I'm first generation born into this country. My mom and my dad were both born and raised in Egypt. I was raised speaking the... Uh, the language that Egyptians had to take on, which was Arabic, right? My mm -hmm. knowledge of the Middle Eastern world and culture is pretty extensive. And as you know, most Egyptians do not have favorable, view, favorable views towards Jews. The reason why I have a favorable view is because I was raised in the word. I was raised in the scriptures. Amen. And if you are a Christian, you should be utterly thankful for the contribution that Jews made to us because we would not have the precious scriptures. We would mm -hmm. not have our Messiah. We would not have the hope that we go by without these precious people. I've been to Israel eight times and every single time I go there, I'm always blown away to be reminded by the kind of dedication and commitment these scribes had in preserving the word of God for us, the uh, insight that we gain from it and I, to this day, am thankful even for the practical contributions that so many Jews around the world are giving us. And I can give you a great example of this. Dennis Prager happens to be a man who has my total love, admiration, and respect because what that man has contributed to not just society in general here in the United States of America, but to the world is something that whether or not he sees it, which I do, he, I do believe he does see it, has contributed greatly to the betterment of our world, and Amen. God has inspired him to do that, right? So we have to understand that, that this is something that this is, this is a love story. And when we talk about the tribulation, the tribulation is the execution of God's love story for the Jews in that he's going to bring them back to that full and beautiful and practical picture that he has promised them. And I want to say this on behalf of the Palestinians and, you know, what everybody calls the big, you know, uh, Palestinian Jewish conflict. If anybody understands the ideals and the mechanisms that drive Hamas and Hezbollah, understand this for just one second. They are motivated by the fundamentals of the Quran. 
And if you are a fundamentalist of the Quran, I'm a biblical fundamentalist. I believe in the fundamentals of what the Bible teaches me. If you are a fundamentalist of the Quran, then you believe in deception, you believe in death, you believe in uh, forcing people to uh, walk into submission to Allah. When we say Islam, Islam is another term for submit. It's a, it's a submission term. So, you know, understand that when the 9-11 terrorists went into the towers, they were not screaming, ah! They were saying, Ya illallah illallah wa Muhammad Rasulullah. They were, they were speaking the words of the Quran as they drove those planes into the towers. So yep. understand that the Palestinians right now in Israel that are suffering the most are the ones that are suffering at the hands of Hamas and Hezbollah. And if you don't believe me, spend some time in Judea and Samaria, which I have. A lot of people call it the West Bank. I refuse to call it the West Bank. And have conversations with some of the Palestinians that are living in that time. By the way, the name Palestine or Palestinians did not come from the people that are of Arab population that are indigenous to the area of Israel. That was a name that was assigned by an early Roman emperor who actually chose to mock the Jews by referring to them through the name of their enemies. So Jews were the ones that were first called Palestinians sometime around uh, 160, 200 AD. And I think the people just need to understand the, the very unique distinctions that exist here. And I know it's a bit of a rabbit trail that I chase down, no, but I I'm, think it's I'm an so important one to go down. No, no, I'm so glad you, you are because people do not understand that conflict and the, you know, the major media sources, the, um, you know, left wing sources that animate a lot of the, the hatred towards the Jews and all that's happening and, and all of the, you know, uh, free Palestine, you know, uh, folks. Um, are not aware of the the history and the um, psyop that's been played on us all uh, regarding that conflict. 100%. And when you look at what's going on right now by Hezbollah and many of the other proxies of Iran and some of these other uh, people, you need to understand that they are, like right now in Israel, you are looking at the Middle Eastern version of BLM. As a matter of fact, the induction of BLM into this country was a direct result of a series of psyops that were taking place in early Ukraine in the years, you know, uh, pre-World War II. These are all things that all relate to a series of Marxist implications that were drawn into, uh, you know, it goes all the way back to Operation Paperclip and all the other things that were going oh, yeah. on. These were all it's tools all that were, yeah, they were all tools in design. And the reason why it's fascinating to see the connection of it all is because they were all inspired by the same person, Satan. You know, when you look at Margaret yep. Sanger and what's going on with the abortions that are happening in the country, she was perhaps the greatest promulgator of neo-Malthusianists. I mean, she yep. th that's exactly what it was. And and she is she was successful in what she wanted done. 3% of the childbearing population in this country are black women, yet they represent 50% of the babies that are being aborted today. Tell me, can it get any more worse than that? And that's the problem we're seeing in the Palestinian situation is they're the ones that are suffering the most. Yeah, you know, recognizing uh, that all of these manifestations, you know, all, all of these evils that are going on across our planet um, are all manifestations of his his work. You know, Satan's yes. work is, is such a faith affirming thing for me. Absolutely. And it has been, um, you know, since the real beginning of the conflict we're in now, you know, the pandemic, the sure. lockdowns, all of the stuff that kind of was laid bare because of it. 
I mean, it, it, it excites me because it, oh, it uh, w- seeing, seeing all of that at work lets me know that there is God. I mean, oh, it, it is such a positive confirmation. For the Alliance Interest family, finances in their blood. I grew up with them and they've handled my entire financial world for nearly 30 years. And as a testament to their talents, they've managed to keep me not just out of trouble, which in and of itself is remarkable, but they've helped me build real wealth. They've assisted me through complex business transactions and family matters. Now, even my daughters are working with Uncle Randy to put financial disciplines in place for their futures. Invest with people who share our values and will help you to be a good steward with what God has given you. Let Alliance in Trust help you to plan for what's next. Visit aewealth.com or call 805-371-8020 to learn more. Amen. And if you're looking to navigate through the political infrastructures and constructs that tend to seek to destroy a society and remove uh, that which is righteous in a society, then you are best suited to study Bible prophecy. And I can give you an example of this, right? My belief centers around the fact that Christ will rapture the church first, then at some point the beginning of the tribulation will ensue. Now, the Bible tells us that this tribulation ensues when this final Antichrist comes on the scene and makes firm an existing covenant between Israel and several of the nations that surround her, right? What is that covenant? It could be the uh, the agreements that we've been watching manifest lately. Um, we have seen uh, only two peace agreements come forth uh, since 1979. 1979 was the big peace agreement that took place between Egypt and Israel. Then in 1994, there was that peace agreement between um, Israel and Jordan. And everything since that we've seen in, in recent years have been normalization agreements, which are a little bit different than a peace treaty, right? Um, but it doesn't matter in the sense that if you were to take the combination of all of those, because they have been leading up to a larger compiling uh, driving variable that has driven Mideast policy, particularly when you start seeing the geopolitical shifting that's taking place in the Middle East, it's being driven by the things that we know the culmination is gonna go forward to. So a, a great example of this is when the tribulation starts, that will start by this final Antichrist, who I believe is gonna come from the area of Rome, right? He is going to establish himself to be this world leader. He is going to be given, by the way, all the keys to the kingdom at some point. Matter of fact, this is why it's incredibly important to know the the intent of the globalists. And, And there is a fact about globalists that we need to understand. There is a distinct difference between what we know in the United States as the deep staters and what we understand as the globalists. They are two completely different people with two different uniquely suited ideals. But what people don't realize is, although they are trying to concertedly work against one another, they are helping each other in achieving the ultimate new world order or the ultimate global uh, global world that we're seeing. If you don't believe me, you can look at what's going on with the World Economic Forum and you'll be able to establish it relatively clearly, especially when you see the falling apart of NATO, the propagandist uh, promulgation of everything that's happening in Ukraine right now. I am not a, uh, a, a Putin apologist by any stretch of the imagination, but I will go on record with disagreeing like, with brilliant men like Gorka and say that we are foolish as the United States of America to enter into a war against uh, Russia 
by going into Ukraine because Russia will prevail. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. Why do we know that? Because in Ezekiel 38, it tells us of a final conflict when Russia will go further south in attacking Israel with a conglomerate of other nations, and there will be no superpower that will be able to stop them. They will be the feared superpower of the time, and the only one that will be able to stop them, according to Ezekiel 39, will be God himself. Now, if we know the end game, then why are we contributing to the mechanism that continues to drive uh, You know okay. what we know is the destruction? Okay, for the audience, lay out how you know, based on that verse, that that's Russia. Because there are several terms that we need to understand. Gog, by the way, is the first term that a lot of people quote, and Magog. But there's a lot of confusion about those terms, right? Gog is presumably a – Gog is a title, okay? It's a title of a leader, presumably the leader of Rosh. That is in Ezekiel 38. Rosh is the term that we know as being Russia today, okay? Magog is a region, Magog is the region that covers what we know as the former Soviet Union, a few areas that are south of there, and there will be a corroboration of nations that will gather together and come down against Israel. Uh, the Bible names them in Ezekiel 38. The Bible names Turkey. The Bible names um, uh, many other nations, uh, Iran, mm -hmm. which we're talking about Persia, right? The Bible names Libya. The Bible names Sudan. The Bible names Ethiopia as a part of that conglomerate of nations that are going to come against Israel. Now, what's remarkable is when you read about all of these nations that are going to come together, maybe people aren't making this connection, but Putin has a remarkable influence over all of those nations. And if you remember this small little tiny event that a few people have heard of called Benghazi, right? Mm -hmm. That was the beginning of the entrance of Russia into the Middle East in essence and now we are talking about a world of changes that are happening that are setting that up. Now, I am not saying that Putin is Gog. That, that, that is not what I'm saying. What right. I'm saying is we are setting up the curtain. The, the theater for war is being set up right now. And if you know what the end game is going to be, that's going to be the case. And I'll give you another example of this. I got asked several years ago on a radio show, James, are you concerned with um, ISIL? Are you concerned with ISIS? And I said, well, look. I'm concerned with them in the sense that they are uh, the Sunnis, they are 95% of Islam, and if I'm a, uh, a fundamentalist of the Quran, I believe in death, I believe in annihilation, I believe in force, I, I believe in all that stuff. The problem is, is I'm not concerned with them. I'm actually more concerned with Iran, and I'm more concerned with Iran being friends with Russia, somehow manifesting in Syria, setting up bases there or operations, and then Turkey turning around and joining them and creating some kind of a land bridge that connects it all to be able to give direct access between the three. Now, when I had said that, I got angry letters. People said, you're nuts. Russia didn't have any relationship with Iran at the time. Iran mm -hmm. was everybody's redheaded stepchild, right? And then when you start looking at the land bridge issue, you begin to talk about that. He's like, there's no way you're going to see anything like that happen. When I had said that, Turkey was still pretty good friends with Israel, and um, which was kind of what we want to see because the attackers of Ezekiel 38, according to Ezekiel 38 verses 8, 9, and 10, are going to be friends with Israel. And Israel will be surprised by the attack, right? So it is interesting how at that time, a lot of those alliances did not exist. Now they do. As a matter of fact, Syria is becoming a non-player in it all. 
Russia has already declared the uh, western border of Syria to be sovereign territory of its own. They've laid out their S-300 and S-400 batteries. They've got MiGs patrolling some of that airspace. And the reality of it is, in one of his well-published Security Council meetings from within Russia, he declares to his own generals that the Russian border that borders Israel must be well-guarded. Well, there is no Russian border that borders Israel unless you consider Syria to be Russian sovereign territory. And even Israel has acknowledged that Putin views things that way. So you're looking at all of this begin to take place. You recognize very quickly that God never gets it wrong. And so when I start doing geopolitical analysis in the Middle East, my analysis is driven by what I know is going to be the end game and that's why I offer somewhat of a slightly different perspective. Now, when I was offering this perspective 10 years ago, I was called nuts. They called me crazy. Now they're looking at me and going, well, come on, man, that's a given. Like, we already know this stuff. Why are you talking about this, right? Well, I was talking about it when nobody wanted to talk about it. I was talking about it when people said, you're nuts, because the Bible tells us what's going on. And by the way, the reason why President Trump's foreign policy decisions in the Middle East became very, very popular was because he had some very solid Bible prophecy people in his ear counseling him about some of the decisions that he was making. And one of those guys was Jack Hibbs. So my, my whole point behind it is um, God said that this would happen. I just know what the end game is going to be, which is why right. I'm, I just jump on the trends and say, this is what I see happening and this is why we should do this. And our understanding of geopolitics and government as a whole is driven, it's fueled by the Bible. This is why I'm so aggressive against Marxism, because Marxism and totalitarianism is something that has been extensively discussed in the Bible. People think that there are no governments in the, in the Bible. There's a series of different governments that are given to us in the Bible that give us phenomenal understanding concerning it, right? And my understanding of the natural patterns that emerge from totalitarian rule comes from my understanding of the book of Revelation. When you look at the first seals given to you in the book of Revelation, you read about the, the rider of the white horse, then you read about the rider of the red, the rider of the black horse, and then the uh, pale horse. Well, the white horse represents the final antichrist, totalitarian ruler. What comes naturally after totalitarian rule is the rider of the red horse, and that's war. After yeah. the war machine starts, then you have economic failure. And there's an interesting note with the right of the black horse, which represents economic failure, famine, so on and so forth. There's a statement that says, preserve or do not touch the oil and the wine. You know what that's speaking of? That's speaking of a rich ruling class that continues to grow while the results of totalitarian rule continue to destroy everyday hardworking people. And then you've get the, the rider of the pale horse, which is in essence death. Now we are seeing this happening on a micro level. The spirit of antichrist drives totalitarian rule. In the last hundred years, we've seen this pattern emerge. You have totalitarian rule. After totalitarian rule, you have war. If you look at World War I and World War II alone, that's exactly how it happened. Yep. Totalitarian rule, war came after a result of that, economic hard times, failure, famine, so on and so forth, and then death. In the last hundred years, we have arguably lost 300 million lives as the result of what took place in totalitarian rule, right? You look at Hitler, Stalin, all these other people, and we're not even including the deaths that resulted from abortions and so on and so forth. So in the difference that will exist in Revelation chapter six, and the reason why it'll be so much worse is because Christians will be raptured off the face of the earth. Second Thessalonians chapter two says, 
that the preserving influence on this earth right now that keeps the final Antichrist from coming into play is Christians filled with the spirit of God. So as terrible as totalitarian um, uh, constructs have made things for humans throughout the years, imagine what that would look like if Christians were not living on this earth. Once they're taken, it's not gonna be 300 million in, in the past 100 years. The pale white horse is going to eliminate a quarter of the population. That could be as high as 4 billion people within the course of less than seven years. So you, you think about that, that. The difference is Christians won't be on this earth, which is why if you believe in Bible prophecy, you will understand your role and call by God to be the preserving influence in this world, which means you fight like you can't even imagine. All right. Hey, let's get into the rapture a little bit because, you know, um, that's that's one of the, uh, you know, main points of disagreement, um, you know, by sure. and the funny thing about me with my the pastors that I love, admire and follow, um, you know, the handful of them, they uh, many of them have distinctly different views sure. on the yeah. rapture. Many of them have yeah. di- distinctly different positions on on the whole thing, you know, now. One of the things that I love is generally, you know, we can all love each other, get along sure. and have these open debates. But but that is one of those core, you know, issues that that so many people are divided upon. So give us a quick, you know, quick overview of why you believe in that model um, yep. and, um, you know, hit, hit me with that. Okay, so my view, which we call the pre-tribulational view, meaning that we'll be raptured before the tribulation, um, uh, is just simply based on what the Bible teaches us, right? If you go and you read uh, 1 Thessalonians, it tells us this. It says what's going to happen. As a matter of fact, the problem in 1 Thessalonians, when you read its context, were the Christians that were in that time were wondering about the fact that they knew Jesus was coming soon, right? But the but the problem was, is they've already had people that have died before them. So they're like, well, do the, pe- the people that died before us, are they going to be able to experience everything that we have? If they've died, they're going to miss out on the rapture. They're going to, you know, all of that's not going to happen. So what in the world's going on? And so the apostle Paul said, listen, uh, let me address to you the issue of people that die, right? So he says this, he makes this clear. He says, now, I don't want you to be uninformed. The, the, the Greek word really refers to ignorant. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, meaning those that have died, right? Um, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will be uh, will God bring back with him. So those who have died in Christ, God's going to bring back with them. But that's the whole thing of the resurrection, right? So why such an mm-hmm. it's a, such an important thing. He says, "For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep." For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Okay, this is referring to the the rapture, right? With the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So the people that you were worried about that, that, you know, have died, they're going to be a part of this whole thing, right? They're going to be, they're going to be a part of this glorious event. They're not going to miss the rapture, right? And then he says, um, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. It's literally snatching. The Greek word for this is harpazo, which in essence, the reason why we get the word rapture is when it's translated in Latin, it's where we get the word rapturus from, meaning it's a snatching. We're being taken away and that's why we get the word rapture, 
right? So we'll get caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Then when you go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, he's talking about the timing of when the final Antichrist is going to come. And this is one of probably 100 different verses I could go to. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, when he talks about the, the coming of this uh, final Antichrist, he tells us what has to happen first. And this was the passage that I referred to you over. He says, let no man deceive you by any means. This is verse three of 2 Thessalonians chapter two, for that day shall not come. That day referring to the time when the Antichrist comes in, right? That day shall not come except there come a falling away first. By the way, um, falling away is not what that should be translated as. When it talks about falling away, it says without a departing. That's the better word there in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Um, that a departing away first, that a departing should come first, and that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. So in other words, this day where the final Antichrist can't even be revealed to the world, which is everybody agrees that that's during the time that everybody calls the tribulation, he can't even be revealed to the rest of the world until the Christians are gone. They're taken up. And later on in 2 Thessalonians, he says that the reason why that's the case is the very thing that drives me to do what I do every day. And that is Christians filled with the spirit, the, the Christians filled with the spirit of God are the preserving influence, right? That keeps that from manifesting. So the fact that you are alive on this earth, Bryce, you are serving God, you're, you know, you're, you're on a successful podcast, you're going all over the place doing the things that you're doing, you as a man filled with the spirit of God are the, you are the reason why the Antichrist will not manifest himself. And we talk about this oftentimes, you understand this better than anybody because um, you're like Victor Marx to me. You're one of those guys that has the gift of violence, right? And I don't mean that in a derogatory or a funny way. You've been given a call by God to use certain gifts that I don't even necessarily have, right? To keep real evil from manifesting. And there is ugly evil out there. And everybody knows that, right? For that sure. is the presence of Christians, spirit-filled men and women of God who act as the preserving influencers. This is the primary reason why I believe Christians have to be raptured before the tribulation because we will not be able to see the kind of judgment manifest from God until that happens. And God doesn't judge his own people. I think that's a very important thing. Remember, when the tribulation happens, God will be preserving the Jews from judgment because it's a time where he's going to be dealing with them directly, but he's judging the rest of the world. So I think I think those are the primary reasons why I believe what I believe. And there's a lot of scripture uh, that we can go over and spend, you know, a lot of time over, but we don't, I don't want to like over. Yeah, run no, over and, and that's. Yeah, and that's not the pur the purpose of this discussion, you know. Although yeah. I can I can feel the people shouting right now who disagree with your position. Um, and you know what? And, and I and I want to say this: I respect the people that disagree with me. I'm not saying that they're uh, wrong, or you know, I mean, I'm entitled to have my view. Yeah. Um, uh, this just comes from 30 years of being in the Word, and um, I speak the languages of the Bible. I I, I understand it, um, but there are some really wonderful, amazing people who stand on the opposite section with me on this, right? Yeah. I just believe that if given the opportunity to debate, I'd love to contend with people. I mean, uh, it's, uh, I think that, no, I, I think mean, that, I've yeah. won many of those contentions.
March Meatness is here, and you can win over $2,000 of free meat with Good Ranchers this month. No, you're not dreaming. This is a real thing. All you have to do is head to GoodRanchers.com March and sign up today. When the time comes, you fill out your March Meatness bracket, and if yours is the best, then you win free meat for a year from Good Ranchers. And their meat is 100% American, absolutely delicious, and steakhouse quality, so you want to win this. That's not where the month's madness ends, though. You can subscribe any day this month and get free bacon for a year added to your order. Pick the box of 100% American meat you want, get free bacon, and if your bracket wins, it'll be free for the next year. If you don't win, you still get 24 ounces of bacon free with every order, free shipping, and guaranteed 100% American meat delivered to your door. Sounds like a win-win to me. If you needed even more to push you over the edge, with my code BRYCE, you can get an additional $20 off your first order, a chance to win $2,000 of meat, free bacon, and $20 off. You need to head to GoodRanchers.com today. Sign up to fill your bracket, subscribe to claim free bacon, and use my code BRYCE for $20 off the best meat and seafood America has to offer today. Visit GoodRanchers.com March for your chance to win over $2,000 of delicious meat and seafood today and claim your free bacon as well. Visit GoodRanchers.com and use my code BRYCE at checkout. GoodRanchers.com. American meat delivered. Yeah, no, and I think that's awesome. And I think that's that's the healthy version of what we should be doing with these things. You know, sure. I think a lot of it, um, you know, where we don't we don't entirely have the ability to know, um, you know, our uh, to borrow from R.C. Sproul, you know, the infinite. Uh, the uh, the finite mind cannot contain the infinite. And so there's so sure. many things that, that I think we're going to have wrong, even as passionately as we all may be and as good as we, we may be about dissecting and debating on these things. I think there's going to be some things that that you or any of the, uh, you know, scholars in and outside of your camp on this subject are going to be surprised sure. by, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of things that when they are revealed, we're going to go, wow, okay, that's how he did it. Or that's what he meant. Um, you know, I, I don't think we can possibly know it all, which is why I think we need to be existing together, you know, as brothers and sisters in Christ and, uh, making sure that our, that we're rowing in the same direction. And in the case of war, that our rifles are pointed in the same direction, um, because that's what ultimately is going to be important. And I have, I have witnessed, uh, you know, friends, uh, you know, come to great contention, almost blows over these differences in, in the interpretation of, of, uh, you know, eschatology. So, and, and I want to say this for the record. I mean, there are men in the ministry that I have a tremendous amount of respect for that I would adamantly disagree with on, on these views. Uh, I, I could give you an example of this. There's a guy who's a pretty popular, uh, pastor. I don't know him personally. Um, he has a ministry that he runs Apologia Studios. He, sure, he Jeff might Durbin. be, Jeff Durbin, and I'm going to just tell you this right now. A I'm lot going to have of the him Bible, on the show. Okay, let me just tell you this. I'll say this for the record. A lot of people in my camp who teach Bible prophecy could learn a thing or two from that man. Mm-hmm. He has won my heart, my admiration, and my respect because I believe he is living as God has called pastors to live. Yeah. He's out there. He's fighting. He's done Amen. more for the anti-abortion movement than most people will ever do together in their whole lives. 
He preaches the gospel aggressively and adamantly. He's out on college campuses. He is trying to make legislation changes. He loves God with all of his hearts. He's inspiring people to righteousness. He is undoubtedly filled with the spirit and he loves God. Like this is a guy that I could learn a thing or two from. He's a man that I respect. Now, am I ever going to have his view on on, uh, end times? Undoubtedly, I, I won't, but, but. I would call that guy an amazing example that people could follow anyway. Amen. Amen. Yeah, well, I'm going to have him on the on the show here in a, you know, 6 weeks or so, I think something like that. And I'm looking forward to it because I I share your admiration of all the work that he's doing. Um yep. and and I think that's what we need to be keeping in mind. And that was what sure. turned me so uh, away from these discussions, you know, or, or um, as a believer, again, as a preacher's kid, I, again, the the reason I use the term, you know, allergic to it was because I want us to be united and be yeah. of one mind fighting against the, you know, wicked ideologies that have overtaken our culture because yeah. churches have been caught up in some of these in-house debates and yeah. they have not been doing the work that the Lord called us to. And we've, yes. we've lost, um, this, this culture and we're seeing the, like some of the most abhorrent things coming out every day right now in the news. I mean, you're, you know, watching these, you know, drag shows for kids and, oh. you know, stuff that's being promoted and things that are promulgating right now are, are, are so wicked. And yep. it's because churches, you know, kept you know, kept quiet, stayed out of politics, stayed out of the public square and, and let, you know, let the weirdos take over. And we got to stop that. I agree. And, uh, and I think that that's the, the area that we really have failed in, uh, especially in my world. Um, I am deeply saddened by a lot of the guys, uh, that in many ways, stand with the same beliefs that I have with respect to eschatology and have just radically failed so much of their calling. Um, They've lost the mindset of shepherds. It's something that we see a lot. And really what it comes down to is they've forsaken the scriptures. I mean, it's a terrible thing to say this. There's a lot of guys in the Bible prophecy world that are not discipled men. They're not disciplined. They don't know the word. They just simply say the things that are popular because they can write better books and they can make more money and they sensationalize things. And they oftentimes play off of one aspect of what they do. Hey, you know, I'm, I, I come from this background, which is what makes me an expert. It's like, no, you don't. What makes you an expert is the fact that you're not and that you lean on the scriptures to be the final court of, court of arbitration and the final authority. And I think that that's the part where, where we've really lost it because if my, if my sincerity comes from my willingness to submit to the truth, then uh, everything changes, right? Like we, we talked about Jeff Durbin. The thing that me and him have in common besides being brothers in the Lord is we are both pursuing truth and Amen. we're willing to submit to what the scriptures tell us, right? And so uh, I, I I look at this and I constantly have to remind myself of that, right? That that my job is to pursue the truth of God's word. And if that means I got to eat humble pie and say, I blew this, my goodness, you better do that because better you do that now when you break yourself before God breaks you. And and I I... I fully understand why you have felt the way you've felt over the years. It makes perfect sense to me. And it breaks my heart to say that your point is valid. It's not founded in some weird, you know, backslidden kind of thinking. It's validated by the fact that it's everywhere. 
Yeah, well, you know, again, as I open the show, I'm I'm getting more and more interested into, you know, really pressing in and giving this careful thought and, you know, getting a, a deeper understanding of these things, you know, including everybody's, you know, disparate positions on it. I, you know, I, I want to know and understand and, and, you know, come to the best conclusions I possibly can instead of, you know, I- ignoring it as I've done in the past, you know, because of that allergy, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's fun. I'm, I'm, I'm reading, uh, Douglas Wilson's book when the man comes around right now, uh, which is his, his point of view on it. He's, I'm a great admirer of, uh, of his wisdom and the things that he's doing, you know, up there in Moscow, Idaho and, and, uh, and have had him on the show and, uh, you know, and inviting, you know, various pastors that, uh, you know, take different stances on these things and having these conversations because because it's fun and it's and it's you know it can be uh, also very uplifting because we are seeing some wild things happen and we need to be you know looking to scripture for the answers yeah and it's amazing to see people growing uh with growing interest in all of that i have a good friend that i do a lot of broadcasts with uh monkey works some of you guys know who he is uh, a lot of the military high-speed guys know who he is um, he's the guy that's about to create an international incident right now because he's the one that uh, kind of made popular the new report that's manifested where he was able to prove six months ago by just simple flight track, I mean, ADSB data. He was able to show that uh, a Navy P-8 is what literally destroyed the, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, right? Yeah. Um, but what's really interesting about that guy is he has almost a million subscribers on his YouTube channel um, he's no joke. He's very respected, uh, came out of the Air Force, and um, just he's just one of these guys that's very high speed in a lot of ways. But what's really interesting about him was what drove him to the place that he is now was he got saved. And when he got saved, he recognized, I need to study this stuff because the signs of the time are telling me that things are changing. And I'm not going to be best equipped to deal with the things that are changing unless I know what the Bible says about the times that we live right now. So Praise You're God. not the only one that's feeling that way. There's a lot of people that are, you know, the guys that understand what real darkness <laughs> looks like, right? They're beginning to see the need to do this more because you, it, it, everything we're dealing with right now is spiritual. It's all spiritual. Yes. And so the best way to, to get equipped to fight this is spiritual. So it's Amen. how we have to do it. Amen. Well, I, I got to get him on the show, so I'll connect with you uh, um, on that because yeah, it yeah. sounds like yeah, I'd love to love to talk to. And Eric's nodding in the booth right now. Oh, so, yeah, he knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he knows who he is. Yeah, so that would yeah. be great. But um, what? Uh, so we we've only got a few minutes left. Um, but as as we wind down here, um, what? Right now, are you spending your time in in studying? You know, given what yeah. we're seeing, what, you know, is there anything that that you know that you've been really compelled to to just be praying about or or getting you know d- deep into in this moment? Yeah. So you know, uh, Bible prophecy has always been a thing. I mean, I've been teaching Bible prophecy for thirty years, and uh, my intensity behind it is is increasing, and it's something that I'm really focusing on. Um, the big thing for me right now, and it's not anything that I really like to deal with up front because God always tests me, <laughs> but um, I'm really spending a lot of time focusing in on and dealing with two prominent areas. Number one, spiritual warfare, right? Because mm-hmm. when, look, when you talk about Bible prophecy, it's a given. Jesus is coming whether or not we think he's coming. Yep. All of these things are going to happen whether or not we think it's going to happen. So you can have disagreements till you're blue in the face, but God's going to do what God's going to do. And it's just, that's just the way it's going to be. So right now there are two areas where I'm seeing main 
deficiencies in, especially in believers, right? The first thing is spiritual warfare. They're not looking at things correctly because they're being blinded by the God of this age. So yes. I'm spending a lot of time studying that, what that looks like, right? Um, the other thing that I'm looking at, and this one is, is perhaps the, the, the bigger one or the more significant one, is I am looking for ways to better equip the body of Christ to know the word of God like the back of their hand. Um, and we've been doing lots of different things to address that. A, a great example of this is a lot of people don't know this because you know, we have a couple of million people a month watching our YouTube channel uh, and, and various other social medias. But what they don't know is that I've been involved in other projects. Like for example, Charlie and Erica Kirk. Erica has a ministry, um, Proclaim Streetwear, that actually does Bible in 365. Yeah. Um, last year, I did something like 100 videos for Bible in 365, where I walked everybody through every single book of the Bible. Um, we're doing that again this year, where I'm, I'm producing more uh, of these Bible summaries for every single time they get to a new book, they get a summary from me. And um, the first year, we were doing a summary of all of the Bible. This is what you need to know while you're in this book. And then this year, I'm now focusing on very specific areas in whatever book that they're in to teach them how to connect the dots. So I'm telling them, look, if you're familiar with this portion in Genesis, this will help you get through the next four books. Uh, when we get to Exodus, it's the same kind of thing. Um, I really feel the need to better equip people in the body of Christ uh, in the word. And if you go to my website, jamescadiz.com, you'll be able to find uh, all of our social media and everything there. But understand, um, there's something like, I want to say 12,000 Bible studies on that webpage that are available for free. Wow. Um, my life's work for the last 18 years. And uh, uh, a lot of work we're producing somewhere in the neighborhood of about 1,200 videos a year. Um, working very, very hard at that. I'm driving myself as hard as I can because I want people to be aware of the things that they cannot see and I want them to know the word. Because if you get those two things out of the way, man, you, you, you get them equipped. This is why Charlie, I think, has been on this real serious commitment to know the word of God, because the better yep. he knows the word of God, the smarter he gets at how he's Amen. dealing with things. And I don't know if you've noticed, but he's been on fire lately, and it's been a direct result of his commitment to the word. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I played it for a bunch of people, and I think I uh, I, I reposted it too. But uh, but Charlie uh, at America Fest delivered one of the yeah. most clear uh, yeah. altar calls, essentially, uh, yeah. or explanations of uh, of Christ and uh, and how you, how you're to be saved on live on Tim Pool's show, which you know had a hundred thousand people watching it. You had then TPUSA's, you know, hundred thousand, you know, viewers watching the live stream there, and then you had ten thousand people in the audience, and yeah. it, it, he he was so powerful, it was so good, and and you can just see the clarity uh, that he was able to to bring that message to people, many and many many. I mean, the the still the majority of them are conservative, but not Christian. Um, because of TPUSA's mission, and I and I know that that's changing because of his work. Did I also hear that um, in the uh, Bible in three six five Erica Kirk's thing that that uh, there's something like fifty thousand people that have been going yeah. through that? Uh, yeah. I mean that, I, that's amazing. When I started with them last year, um, we had I think just hit ten thousand. So so now we're getting close to a hundred thousand, and that's a wow. testimony to the dedication and commitment that Erica and her team have had 
to getting the word out. Um, we've made a lot of changes this year. This year, we're not only giving them Bible summaries, but we're doing live Q&As uh, once a month, and it's an anything goes Q&A. You can ask any Bible question you want. I'll answer it. Um, I am going to do a series probably starting next month, how to study the Bible. Uh, and we're not talking about like, you know, just, you know, pray, read this and come to this. We're, we're, I'm talking about major, major stuff. Oh, I'd be interested um, in that. That's, yeah, that's and great. I'll, and I'm very likely going to do some basic things uh, maybe near the end of the year that involve the Greek and Hebrew language. I mean, I'm Wonderful. not going to do like Greek exegesis and, you know, what do you do when you find the split of the use of, you know, the split of the use of the split infinitive uh, prior <laughs> to the participle predicate, you know, you're not, but, but um, people are going to be equipped. And, and my whole goal is I want an army of people who know the word of God like the back of their hand. Because quite frankly, that's, look, when you have a conservative movement that does not have the guide of the word of God, you get the mainstream Republican Party. Yeah, amen. You're it's hard, absolutely it's, right. It's a terrible thing to say, but that's exactly yeah. what, what it looks like. And that's why we're going to make sure that doesn't happen. Amen, amen. Wow, man. Well, I'm going to have to check that out. Cause that, yeah. uh, that's really compelling. Um, because that's been, you know, my, my challenge again, you know, um, my, with my background, I love the Lord. Uh, I'm a, uh, you know, sinful, you know, broken guy, um, who, you know, is, is working hard to be on this path. And, uh, you know, again, I have, uh, I have, uh, so many knots in my rope from, you know, growing up, Sure. You know, in, uh, you know, as a preacher's kid and, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, I've, I own it. I, um, you know, I, I own my faith. I, I love what the Lord's doing in my life and all that. Um, but you, but when you, I, I envy in so many ways, the guys and, and, you know, it's funny, they say the opposite to me, but I envy the guys that have, you know, led the life they led. And then, you know, like Dr. Keith Rose always talks about coming to the faith late in life. Um, even though his his uh, dad was a pastor, but I but those guys that also have that like just moment of you know shedding the old life, in uh -huh. some respects have an advantage over the people that grow up in the church and grow yeah. up with the um, the the amount of fakery that's in the church, the amount of sure. you know hey I got your brother God bless you know um, yeah. all that stuff where um, you know you know how to put on the mantle. Uh, and the appearance of Christianity, but you're not owning it and, and you're not right. really living it the way you should. And there's so many folks that, that hide. And I have from time to time, um, you know, with that, with that, the clothing of it, but not really owning it and, and doing what you need to be doing, you know, every yeah. day. Yeah. And it's so important, man. I mean, yeah. I think, I think you're in such a great place and God's honoring it, obviously, you know, I mean, God's blessing you for doing that. And I think it's important. Um, my heart's broken, man, when I hear stories like that, because, you know, even as a child, I had an amazing example in a mother and father. I mean, I, yeah. I had literally a perfect childhood and both of my grandfathers, my, my dad's father was a pastor in Egypt for 65 years, very famous. He was a Presbyterian minister. My, my other grandfather was a pastor in Egypt for 35 years, Baptist minister. And all of their children were raised serving the Lord and have a genuine, sincere love for God. Um, I, I was given a heritage that very few people have. So yeah. my heart breaks when I hear that, those kind of stories. Like I, I know, I know exactly what those things can be like. And, and it's perhaps my number one motivator for the three children I've adopted and, and hopefully more in the future. I will never let my children feel like they're in competition with the church ever. Yeah. 
no, the that's, point where that's I talk amazing. to people yeah. after service, my my girls will they're allowed to interrupt anything they want, and my my son one day will be in the same category, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, my so, you know my parents. Uh, I mean, my 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 parents were divorced. You know, my my dad was a pastor. Yeah. My parents, uh, you know, were divorced at uh, uh, when I was thirteen. Um, they ended up ultimately reconciling and, and, uh, you know, we're back together, um, you know, when I was 26, uh, so they came to, uh, came to my wedding United, which was really cool. Um, but you know, that you go through a lot, uh, you know, when something like that happens with a pastor and a family and all that, my dad's an uh, amazing guy. My parents, you know, really, you know, came, came around and, you know, dealt with a lot of those issues and things, but, um, and so none of this is a, a secret, but, um, you know, it's, uh, but it definitely, you know, took its toll on our family and on faith and, you know, how I observed all of those things and, you know, and all of that, you know, it's been a lot of, uh, a lot of things to, to work through over the years in my own walk and my own faith. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, that's, yeah, it's amazing. And it's amazing to see how God's taken all of that and used it for very good purposes for you, man. That's a, that's yeah. a good thing. That's a praise God thing, you know? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Well, listen, I appreciate you coming on. And again, to follow you, uh, jamescadiz.com. Is that the Yeah, the that's my place? website. Yeah, jamescadiz.com. And it'll tell you how to get everywhere else. If you want to look at us on YouTube, it's Calvary Chapel Signal Hill. On Rumble, Instagram, every other place, it's James Cadiz. Um, That's where we are in all those areas. And uh, always uh, excited to have people follow us. Um, we want to bring the best that we can. If you're looking to listen to us on the radio, you can go to lightonthehillradio.com. And we also have a Bible prophecy radio show called Countdown, the number two eternity.com, um, where I do uh, most of that with uh, Don Stewart. And um, uh, we love it. And we're on hundreds of radio stations across, actually, not just the country, but around the world now, which has been great. Uh, we're in New Zealand, yeah. Australia, and parts of Europe, and so on and so forth. It's been great to see God using that. So if you want more information there, all of that is centralized at jameskidis.com. It'll get you wherever you need to go. Awesome. Well, I love you, brother. I, I told you, like I, I said at the beginning, I had a great affection for you the, the moment I met you. And your wife is just a wonderful person, too. And, and uh, so great to, to yeah. know you and consider you a friend. And thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, it's my honor, bro. And I love you very much. You know that. So thank you. All right. Amen. All right. And we're out.